Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path After Party 68. Where oh, yeah. it felt like we would never get back to the present so we could do this. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. That's basically the theme. <laughs> basically of <this> true. <laughs> after also, party. just things that waste your time. Wibbly true. wobbly timey wimey. <laughs> Unlike this show, which never yeah. wastes your time. Huh. We we try. I don't know if we've succeeded a hundred percent of the time, but we do. Hey, try. hey, we put enough educational content in every single one of our episodes, so it's not a waste of time. That is true. We do have druid facts. Well, and like you know, rules clarifications and random bits of Egyptian trivia and things like that. I mean, Rick always has to I mention mean, some sure. short story piece of literature. So there's your English credit for the episode. You know, I recently found a. Uh book actually that's a collection of the works of Algernon Blackwood that I was thinking about picking up of uh, Willow's fame for anyone that's uh, familiar with the Willows. Foundational is- weird fiction. What does this have to do with anything? How did we get there? Okay, here's here's what it was. I opened up the can of worms because I mentioned uh, sh- sh- Rick and his short stories and Rick immediately had to just jump on that. Like I figured out that's his trigger. <laughs> you mentioned short stories and I said here's some education. Anyway, uh, this is a recap of episodes 202, 203, and 204. And uh, yeah, episode 202 saw us stuck in a time loop. Time loop. But we did get to meet with Dot, the overseer. Uh, sure. And yeah, we pretty much just could not come to an arrangement because he was like, hey, give up your weapons. And we were like, nah, bro. Mm-hmm. That's fairly standard happen. operating <laughs> procedure when you're going to go meet whoever's in charge of a place. And to be fair, he was flanked on either side by, like, barbed devils, and so we were just kind of like, eh, you're probably not a good guy, you know? If we had been flanked with devils, we would have probably attacked him immediately. Well, we we might have been more willing to give up our (laughs) weapons, but considering we didn't know it was on the other side of the door, I find it very unlikely. Plus, uh, we've been through some stuff. Well, and then it would would it have gone to the next part of part of that, and I've been like, you know, oh, blah, 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 I gotta do this fight and stuff, and it's like, oops, no armor. Yeah. No, they would have returned the weapons to you. Oh, okay. Well, then no, that's nice. No. Because they wanted nice. actual entertaining combat instead of just a slaughter, which that's jumping a bit ahead, though. Yeah. Well, in episode 203, after we defeated the Overseer and his two barbed devils, uh, we went into the arena and met the High Overseer. So, you yep. know, going There's up the ranks. There's always a higher we, Overseer. Yeah, we, we pulled a, I need to see your manager. But uh, the High Overseer was... Uh, Mentu Nebef. Yeah, that's yeah. We never got said. his, I guess, consort's consort name. Yeah. Uh, I'm just gonna call her Board. She was great. I loved her. Uh, okay, yeah. full name Board AF. <laughs> yeah, Board AF. <laughs> um, Tebri was her actual name. Was she the one that was actually in charge? Because I got that vibe from her. Yeah. Uh, they don't really go into any details. She is his paramour. Mm. And uh, is only moderately interested in anything going on around her. Unless combat breaks out and you attempt to kill her and uh, into, then things get kind of messy. What's her whole situation Like now that we're away from her? Powerful sorceress. Bard, actually. Oh. Oh. Okay. Nice. And uh, Mintu's actually like, a, I, think, I think she's like a 12th level bard and I think Mintu's like a 13th level rogue. Oh, okay. gosh. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. And they also ask activate both the bronze golems or brass golems if you fight them so you're forced to fight both of the golems plus a dude that now has 15 foot reach creatures to flank with him and a yep. bard buffing his attack rolls so mm-hmm. that would have been rough. very messy 
I mean, yeah. it was already a messy fight anyway, because bron yeah. bronze golems were no joke. We yep. we fought the two brass golems, and then we also added a, a bone golem to that because we felt bad for the guys who'd been stuck in there. Yep. You know what, though? 100% worth it, because we got the early warning that we were going to be fighting brass golems so that we yeah. could prepare. It's true. So that was actually really nice. But uh, we uh, ended episode 203 with getting free of the time loop. Mm-hmm. Because we got back to our yeah. regular time and the, or the cartouche was just kind of sitting on the chair. And we even got a little uh, mural on the floor of that our great cool. deeds. That, that was, was really cool. That was a really fun touch. Yeah. So episode 204, uh, we got some time to like explore and try to find another way forward before we were just kind of like. Which involved uh, backtracking to go forward. Yeah. We were like, um, we're just going to divine how to do this because we're tired of wasting time. Uh, we passed through a bunch of different chambers before finally entering a room with a uh, what looked to be a burned handmaiden. Yep. Turns out, not a handmaiden, thanks to our good friend Two. Uh, saw mm. right through her disguise. Turns Could out she's a slow. devil, uh, or hand handmaiden devil, I believe. Handmaiden yep. devil, so, also known yeah. as an Ursula. Yeah, she she's basically Ursula. <laughs> like that's what her like her art gave me very Ursula. No, vibes. like a hundred percent. Like <laughs> she is a woman on top, octopus yeah. below. Like a hundred percent Ursula. <laughs> yeah, but and there's she's... actually a race of sea people that are those, and she's a devil. There is. Oh, I thought yes. you were just... I think technically she's also completely bald and has two tentacles that come off the back of her head. Oh. Like, but that wasn't part of the description because she's actually wearing like a cool Osiriani like, wig. So, uh, okay, mm, those are the those oh, are the tentacles she's ashamed of. Well, she was well. pretending to be a lady. Yeah, she she was technically in disguise, so I guess it makes sense. That's true. I don't know, but she's trying to huggle us with her tentacles, and we're we are not here for it. She had some ironies, <laughs> killed those. And uh, with yeah. her plus uh, thirty nine disguise and thirty nine bluff, she's actually oh really good gosh. at pulling that off. Wow. Uh, thankfully, we had to. Yeah, sure. thankfully, we had to. Two's the real MVP of this uh, this book. <laughs> so he's gotten us out of quite a few jams right now. I, I will say that the, the earth area doesn't feel very earthy to me. It doesn't. Not even a little bit. Like the fire, I was like, all right, we got lava, water. Okay, there, there's, there's water. Earth, I mean, I can see with the acid maybe, but the rest of it, I'm, mm. I'm kind of... Well, earth yeah. is also metal. And it's also, like, unless you're a druid, there's hardly any way for anybody in the party to get Earth Glide, which means if they put that in there, it'd be a game planning-wise, that's it. The party can't tunnel. Well, I mean, <laughs> they like, you know, Earth-themed but... monsters yeah. and scary rock boys and... Yeah, I was thinking, like, rock stuff, like deserty things that are Earth. <gasps> yeah, they missed an opportunity to have a mummified boule, oh. which would have been amazing. That would have been. That would have been. Awesome. And I do love the noble boule, but I never want to kill the noble boule. Yeah, no, I think I think it makes some sense because metal is still part of Earth, so brass golems kind of fit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're still in an undead area, so bone golem. Um, the weird thing was, and then they breathe fire instead of, and mm. then they spit acid everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's it's also the weird thing of the assumption that you have electricity. Well, that's air magic. You have fire. Well, that's obviously fire magic. You have ice which I guess is water magic. And then it's like, and earth, I guess is acid. But even though acid is more of a chemical compound, although technically fire is actually just a chemical reaction. Yeah. Probably could have done something along the lines of like, 
have you guys have to fight in a quicksand chamber or yeah, you know, like that's kind of what I was thinking. Oh, or do one or... of those traps where it uh, it floods in sand, you know, and like they yeah. bury you alive. Yeah. I mean, they had yeah. I mean, this might have even been a better time to have the living sandstorms than in the last mm-hmm. book, just True, because of yeah. the whole theming thing. Uh, that being said, I think. Uh, one, you guys are already inside of a stone building, so, you know, Earth is already kind of covered there. Yeah. Uh, and two, we didn't really touch on that too much before. Uh, I think we actually forgot to even bring it up in a previous after party. The second barrier that you went to, if you chant the guy's name instead of his title, uh, it collapses into sand and then turns into uh, the Earth-cursed Earth scarab swarms, which are oh. advanced fiendish variant oh. scarab swarms that are challenged oh, that's 13 awful. apiece. That's awful. Cool. So, I mean, you could argue wow. that scarab swarms are kind of an earth theme sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, it's coming. It's made out of sand or something. Well, they also have like uh, cool cursed wounds and uh, what is it? They have consume where an earth earth cursed scarab swarm can rapidly consume any creature that swarms over. Uh, helpless oh, man, or nauseated creature, the earth cursed scarab swarm attack deals 86 points of damage as they pick them Ooh. to the bone. Oh, Gross. ow. Dang. But of course, you guys bypassed that, so you didn't have to yeah, worry about it. Yeah, I do it. feel like this is themed around fiends, so like this bit. is devil heavy. You know, we had the the kind of, I guess Damon was water. Yeah, Damon and Div. A little bit, yeah. Damon and Div, yeah, it's kind of kind of a mix. But like they're trying to like, I feel like they're trying to hit different types of outsiders to like, I mean, because we all expected we were going to fight a lot of undead, but it looks like they're trying to like break that up with like other things that he summoned even though we've they kind of said oh he summons a lot of elementals and stuff in the last book it's like oh but other stuff too well mm-hmm. that's kind of the curious thing uh that you guys are going through four separate tombs and each one of these tombs is themed around an element and you haven't fought a single elemental yeah yep well a little surprised by that but well because you guys fought so many elementals in the last book they're just trying to get creative with it that's my assumption as well was like the entirety of the Kepsutanum is very elemental focused yeah. Yeah. So, and there were a bunch of really neat traps in this in the areas leading over here as far as the uh, you know, teleportation circle trap that you guys had to uh disable and the snakes spitting out darts trap, which is just kind of fun. Where does the teleportation circle take you? Yeah, good question. I think it takes you all the way back to it might take you all the way back to the entrance. Mm. Oh. And then try, make you navigate and all the rest of that stuff before <laughs> again. So again, it's trying to waste your time. Waste your time, yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of the theme of this entire section is it's just, it's persevering, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying well, yeah, to it, it. It gets the whole, you know, no matter how the wind blows, the mountain cannot move sort of thing where it's a constant uphill. It should feel like it is an uphill figurative climb for y'all to go through all this area and then see your powers drained away, which isn't much of an issue for this group. Although there are a lot of groups that do the, uh, the dungeon rush thing. Yeah. Where they'll just go, okay, well, we're going to cast all these spells and these spells have, you know, okay, we've got... 10 minutes of spells so we just stab through everything you're going round for round we're not searching rooms we just kick down the door to keep rushing into the next encounter next encounter next encounter before 10 minutes of buff spells wear off there are some people that play the game that way and then they go back and they loot and they look for clues and things yeah I mean that's it's the entire concept behind uh, I'm sure for Heather this is going to be a throwback but behind Codzilla oh yeah which is the cleric or druidzilla from 3.0 3.5 which was the whole idea that a cleric given five rounds to buff will be more powerful than a fighter five levels higher than them. Hmm. Now, mind you, you're only more powerful for like five minutes, but if you then boss rush your way through every single room. I was going to say, you can get a, you can get yeah. a lot of combat done in five minutes if you're really, really dedicated. 
Yeah. That's true. It is a dangerous way to play the game because you don't necessarily know if you're leaving things behind you that would actually be useful to you. You're just kicking doors. There's that whole, uh, what do they call I can't remember the uh, the terminology that I've heard thrown around on message boards for walking into a hallway and just opening all the doors simultaneously. Just oh getting all gosh, the fights over at, like, at once. So it's like, oh help yourself get all the fights started at once and try to rush your way through it. So you're telling me there are people that basically choose to play with uh, the kind of combats where like, oh, I finished something and something else comes in and something else comes in and something else comes in. That's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, there's no wrong way to play type. the game yeah. as long as you're having fun with it. As far as audio is concerned, I imagine it'd be relatively boring for people to listen to you guys trying to like rush through 15 combats in a row nonstop. All right, so. everybody, to buckle up. We open all five doors and we'll see you in 15 episodes when we finish this combat. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, I I think we're ready to move on to some emails. Yeah. Yay. All right. I'm not going to lie. I'm super excited about this first one. This is from Sean. Sean doesn't give us anything other than Sean. Of the so dead. So I don't know where to put him. Hey, Sean. Sean of the dead. British Taldor. What? I mean. Sean of the dead. Undead. differently. Dead. It's more like Sean Bean, but, you know, it's still British. So I could get behind that. Let's see. Uh, Sean is her traditional <laughs> Irish name. It yeah, is, which yes. would be Nermathis. So, so maybe Nermathis, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. So what about that Three Pines city? Well, I thought that was still in. I thought Three Pines was still in Lastwall. Oh, I thought it was like on the other side. That's technically in Lastwall. Casson is in. Casson, uh, that's yeah, the one that's on right across the river. Yeah. Nermathis side. That's where Darcy's from. So why not Casson? Casson, yeah, Casson. All right, Sean, you are now from Casson. All right, Casson and Nermathos or Nermathis, your pick. Well, we've been we've been saying it Nermathis, so I'm gonna stick with that. I do like how uh, Nermathis sounds. And also, I'm a little sad. Nermathos is how the pronunciation on uh, Pathfinder Wiki is, but we can do yeah. whatever we want. Uh, he says... We have permission from James Jacobs. We do. <laughs> <laughs> we actually do. Do you offer transcripts of your podcasts? Specifically, I am looking for the first module of Mummy's Mask. I would like to attempt to do you justice in a comic book form. <laughs> I am not a professional what? artist, but simply a fan who would like to try. Thank you for many hours of entertainment, Sean. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Sean. Oh, my That's gosh. Awesome. Um, don't I don't know how to make this happen, but we need to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a transcript. I know we've looked at some options for doing things like that, although they tend to be either pricey if you're hiring someone to do that um, or touch and go if you're using a computer program to try to recognize voices and do that yeah so like i i was gonna say the the issue a lot of times is with like the accents we do in things it doesn't transcribe it very well hey but Um, anyone knows of a great affordable service that we could use yeah Yeah, we are welcome to suggestions i think uh i think this is the first time that someone has come to us with the idea of doing a comic book for it that's so cool i love it i'm so excited um, I'd be even so down with totally just like pick that. your favorite scene and do uh, you know a one page comic book or something of that scene. That would be phenomenal. That would be really, oh, really we cool. would share that on social media like you wouldn't believe. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> think of all the combat picks. Yep. So uh, all the thank kung you. fu action. Sean from Nermathis, we are looking forward to this. If we can get that transcript for you, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen one way or another. Actually, you uh, know what I'd really love to see. I'd love it to just be like eight panels that's just like Sudi meditating and then like, you know, you see a little shadow walking around in the background and then every panel it's just a new stack of rocks surrounding him. Oh my him. god. <laughs> <laughs> the end, it's just these massive stacks of rocks on every side. Oh man. Uh, oh gosh. That's not, the, oh, that's not the first book, but oh god, yes. No, it's not. <laughs> anyway, right. just a fun thought. 
So our second email is Patrick from Catapesh, a.k.a. Hey, Hadrian on the Discord. Hey, Hi, Hadrian. Hi. Excellent. So, hello. We know that guy. Uh, he says, hello, Find the Path crew. Hello. Hi. Hello there. Since you've started book six, I decided to do a re-listen of the show to refresh my memory of the doorkeeper's adventures. And I found a very interesting piece of foreshadowing from book two. <laughs> These are the oracular ramblings of Sagira's grandmother's skull. For reference, episode 63 at uh, minute marker 2556 if you would like to play the audio. Props and it goes for being in this extremely order. specific. <laughs> let me see let me see if I can insert that real quick. Oh Thanks gosh. future Rick. <laughs> the tomb beyond the crook, the house, the search for the forgotten pharaoh, the sanctum of the erudite eye, the crypt of earth, empty graves, best left buried, secrets of the sphinx, the sepulchre of the servant, lo the dead shall rise, the half dead city in defense of Wati, the lottery. The crypt of air, deeper into the dunes, shifting sands, the parched dunes, the tomb of Chesisek, the crypt of fire, in the shadow of the sightless sphinx, pride of the dispossessed, the slave trenches of Hakotep, the crypt of water, into the slave trenches, the pyramid of the sky pharaoh, the pyramid descends, the pharaoh reborn. Well, that seems pretty cryptic. That's a bit ominous. Uh, it, it also sounds a little bit like maybe a guiding map of where to go. Well, we've been several of those places already. Exactly. We can go to the tomb of Chisisek. Magic. Dude. <laughs> and yeah. of course, none of that meant anything to us at that time. <laughs> yeah, so we couldn't be like, ah, foreshadowing. Like, who's this Chisisek guy? Yeah, he says, this is exactly like, this is the kind of gem I was hoping for when I started a re-listen. That weird skull in a cage knew the plot of the entire adventure path. <laughs> <laughs> There's a I reason they really... kept her around. Yeah, exactly. I don't really have a question per se, but I am curious about your thoughts on effective foreshadowing. With the end of the doorkeeper's journey in sight, I want to say thank you for the wonderful story that you put together. I look forward to your next journey. All the best, Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. Aw, yeah, thank thanks. you. I've just come to accept that Rick does foreshadowing, and sometimes I catch it and sometimes <laughs> I don't. I, honestly, like, I think that's part of the fun of foreshadowing is seeing if people pick up on it or not, because, mm -hmm. like, I find, like, really, like, Rick does really good foreshadowing that, like, when we look back, we're like, hey, that's yeah. right, you know, like, like, like you've just found. So I do love that. I definitely understand the joy, the intense joy you get by being the foreshadower. I got to do foreshadowing in a different game for a little while, yeah. and it is very delightful to see people pick up on it or not, and then to be like, ah, oh, when they re-listen, they'll know. I don't know. I always feel like they're little gems for people who re-listen, where it's like mm -hmm. you go back and you listen, and you go, wait a minute, hang on, yeah. that's referencing book four or whatever. Like, I mm -hmm. always think that's kind of a fun little, you don't get it the first time, but you get it the second time around that that's being foreshadowed. It's like watching a really good mystery, and then yeah. you see the ending of it, and then you can go back and watch it again and see how it all makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. we, uh, like Jess and I just finished The Quarry, which is a fantastic, supermassive games uh, it's game. So it's one of those good. like playable so movies, and it's great because they do a lot of interesting foreshadowing with stuff that you like can then go back and play it again and get hints, kind of about like things you should or shouldn't do. But you have to be careful with foreshadowing because some people pick up on it and then can call the answer. I do that a lot. Yeah. The best foreshadowing in a lot of things are things that once you know what the answer is, 
the foreshadowing that you received earlier recontextualizes the story that you received up until that point. Mm-hmm. It gets into a lot of the uh, the Arthur Conan Doyle, the Sherlock Holmes. Once you understand the deductive reasoning that led to that point, my mind immediately goes to uh, Knives Out, actually. Yeah, oh, yeah Knives Out was great. Once you get yeah. the reveals later on, you can look back and go, oh, okay, well now all of this, it's, it's the classic twist, but twist in a good way, where as a, you know, a twist that if you know the twist that ruins the movie is a bad twist. It should still be interesting along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, what I like about foreshadowing more than just, you know, the haha surprise or haha got you or trying to outsmart because you never want to bank on outsmarting your players because again, you know, you're probably playing with very intelligent people. I freely admit that you're as if not more intelligent than I am. So I'll try to foreshadow things and sometimes the foreshadowing won't work. Also, we're, nobody is as smart as you think you are. Yeah, that's also oh, true. Oh, yeah, of course. True. But the fun thing with doing foreshadowing is if you can put it in there, it makes the world feel alive. It makes it feel like there are things going on outside of just the story of the characters that you're playing. The fact that some guy mentioned earlier the Sightless Sphinx kind of implies that the Sightless Sphinx will eventually be a thing, maybe. But it could have been nothing. I think I've mentioned a couple of pyramids and tombs and everything outside of uh, On. And the doorkeepers literally never set foot in On, despite the fact that the city being routinely mentioned all of the time. Mm -hmm. The beauty of foreshadowing is you shouldn't be able to tell the difference between that and the background, but it should make it uh, less of a surprise if and when something happens. Because the last thing that you ever want is to feel like something comes out of left field. What Final Fantasy was that, Heather, that uh, they introduced an entirely new boss in the last, I think, the literal last five minutes of the game? Well, I mean, there's been a couple where the where you don't know who the boss really is until you get there. I mean, 13 kind of pulled the rug out from under you towards the end. I think I'm thinking Final Fantasy V. Don't you get to the end where you're facing off against X-Death and then immediately after that, is it Chaos? That's the main villain? Maybe. It's been a while since I played five. Yeah. Anyway, you never want it to just be like, and then this guy comes out of nowhere because it feels feels like a deus ex machina. And uh, I kind of hate those. But if My it is revealed with it. effective foreshadowing, it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if the person's just mentioned once, it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe I could have put all these clues together or something like that, but... It, it goes back to that whole thing of like, you mentioned a name or something and I, wait, haven't I heard that before? And it's like, that's when you get like the foreshadowing kind of, call, you know, as a callback to this thing so that it's not a coming out of left field because I feel like I've heard it before. Yeah. Someone recently mentioned, I can't remember if it was on the Discord or not. And as far as all the characters were concerned at the time, it was a throwaway line. When you guys were doing the fight against the Shaitan genie that uh, was imprisoned by the... um uh, Picasso, I think was her name, was imprisoned yeah, by yeah. the Eyes of Raw, that she mentioned that they told her that they would provide her with power enough that she would rival Tefnizu. Hmm. Yep. And at yep. the time, you're just like, okay. Just some dude. Okay, he must be a big guy. You know. I think someone made a... Like someone a did bring it up. ...check yeah. to make a knowledge check yeah. or whatever it was. And then it was like, oh, Tef- Tefnizu was a famed Shaitan general and warrior and all the rest of that that disappeared thousands of years ago. Uh, it was yeah. probably Hollis, because I think I'm the only one with planes. You are. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, that's fun foreshadowing, because you don't necessarily need to have known the information. Although, if later on you'd just been like, Tefnizu sounds really familiar. Oh, yeah. That's that legendary oh, yeah, that Shaitan general yeah. we heard about. Yeah. yeah, I do love foreshadowing. 
Yeah, I would probably be better at catching foreshadowing if I had a, had a better memory, uh, which is why Same. I take copious notes. Same. <laughs> like, and even when I take copious notes, sometimes I'm just like, what did I do today? Uh, let alone a month ago, let alone what did 200 I have for episodes breakfast ago. This morning? Uh, yeah. The challenge basically. with foreshadowing, the challenge I run into the most is if you foreshadow too much, you end up uh, distracting the players, which is something mm. I've done on numerous occasions where it's, hey, I'm just kind of mentioning that maybe there's like spire drakes or something like out in the distance messing around. <laughs> and then everyone goes, a dragon, you say? Let's drop <laughs> everything else and hunt this dragon down. I'm like, no, I'm trying to <laughs> reference a dragon that you'll fight in three books. Don't go after like, him. Mm, He's going to kill mm. you. <laughs> but we've also gotten to that point where when Dr Rick drops information like that, we do kind of go, hum. Because yeah. <laughs> we're not sure if... Not, not sure if side quests or foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Patrick ends with a PS that says, uh, the points are chapter and book titles, aren't they? You're correct. Uh, I made things easier on myself for those uh, premonitions. I just used the chapter titles for every single book and put them in a single thing and randomized them. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. The, wow. the lottery is the first chapter. You guys have been going Crypt of Air, Crypt of Fire, the Tomb of Chissus Act, the Parched Dunes, deeper oh into the God, dunes. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah, it nice. just jumped all around. Well, look at that. Because wow. they're just vague enough that out of context, yeah. it sounds like random prophecies. What I'm hearing Genius. is work smarter, not harder. Yeah, oh. right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. Okay. I think there were well, one or two of them that I had to change like specific words. It's still not as bad as having to come up with a bunch of premonitions, though. <laughs> yeah, like a bunch of just random stuff. Because then you run into that thing of, am I giving them too much or not enough? Hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, that uh, email from Patrick was actually all we had today. We only had two uh, two emails. Fun. Uh, yeah. So I guess we're going to move on to one of my favorite parts. I think everybody knows this at this point. The casting. So who are we casting? All right. Yep. Uh, I might need to expand this list. Go ahead and bounce me a d6. Uh, one. One. <laughs> Rolled a one. <laughs> mm, right. So, for today's casting, we are going with Sorshin, the Rune Lord <gasps> of Lust. Nice. Okay. Uh, also known as the Lady of Eurythnia, the realm of lust and fertility. Hmm. Sorshin was one of the only two rune lords who ruled their domain for the entire lifespan of Thassalon, the other being Xandragul. She accompanied Zen in his exile from Aslant and was responsible for convincing Zen to delegate the rule of Thassalon to the rune lords. Sorshin was rewarded with the domain of Eurythnia and her original title of rune lord of love. It was Sorshin who created the first rune wells. She shared this secret with the other rune lords, a decision which she would later regret before mm. she and the six other rune lords betrayed and assassinated Zen and later fell into infighting. So, yep. yeah. Sorshin, the rune lord of lust. I got it. I know exactly who I'm casting. She looks identical to the image. Seriously? Really? <laughs> yep. So, um, I'm going to go with uh, Priyanka Chopra, uh, or Priyanka Chopra Jonas, because she, <laughs> she married... Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, she was on uh, Quantico for several years, and she was bats on that and she just has this look and this presence where I feel like she could whoop your butt uh, but also seduce you in the same moment uh, which I feel like is kind of sorshin like mm. I just that's that's who I saw when I saw her picture I was like it popped in my head and I was like yep that's her Priyanka Chopra nice I suppose I'll go so I'm thinking brilliant considering that she is a wizard 
beautiful, uh, extraordinarily skilled actress, uh, literally Academy Award winning, Natalie Portman. Nice. Lots of energy, can play very intimidating, can play complex characters. Uh, Most people, of course, know her uh, V for Vendetta, uh, the Star Wars prequels. She was uh, Anne Boleyn, I think. That might have been what she won. The other Boleyn girl. And the other Boleyn girl uh, that she won her uh, Academy Award for. Uh, Black Swan, Swan, actually, I think might have been what she won that for. I'm pretty sure that's what she won that for. I think it's Black Swan, yeah. But a phenomenal actress, a whole bunch of range. Uh, She herself is genius as far as both her acting talent as well as I believe literal yeah I could see her both playing the uh, the dark side as well as kind of the the charming element of the uh, the rune lord of love so yeah Natalie Portman all right I looked at the I looked at the picture dark hair green eyes facial structure Megan Fox that's exactly who I thought you were going for she <laughs> looks exactly like Megan Fox it is creepy <laughs> yep yeah Megan Fox, Jennifer's body. Yeah. That is the yes, credit for playing Sorshin. Definitely Jennifer's body vibes. Yeah. Well, I liked her new girl, too. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I think she also looks like Jamila Jamil, uh, who, yeah. if you don't know who she is, she plays uh, Tahani in uh, The Good Place. She's about to play uh, Titania in She-Hulk. Nice. Uh, coming up soon. Uh, she is fantastic. She is beautiful. Uh, she's a great actress. Uh, she can do that, like smoky gaze kind of thing but she can also do uh like i feel like she's very personable oh yeah fair enough all right, all right. i am gonna go with uh kristen ritter um uh, most people oh, probably yeah, know her from oh, uh, nice. jessica her. jones um she's done a lot of tv um she's the done you know, jessica jones, the, defender, the defenders um apparently she was briefly in, in uh breaking bad yeah she just had a reoccurring role in uh breaking bad so I just she's she's very pretty, but she also can do that you know kind of stern, no nonsense thing as yeah. well. So yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, Imagine her making her uh, her Jessica Jones face towards the rest of the Rune Lords while sitting around a table. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. Oh man, that would be great. But yeah, I will have this up on our Discord channel under the Casting Powerful Folks channel. Uh, awesome. So Did you got a day go off vote. last time. Woo-hoo. Well, thanks for writing in, Pathfolk. We always love to hear from you, and please continue writing in. Send us those questions, send us those comments. Send Especially us- if you want it to be in uh, in Mummy's Mass, because we're fast approaching the end. That is, true. is true. That is true. So if you have any burning questions about Mummy's Mask, let us know. And we will see you next time, Pathfinders. Good Bye, luck. Pathfolk. Bye, Pathfolk. Bye. I'd honestly be surprised if we had more than six or seven of these left. Oh my. I mean, I don't know how much is left more episodes. Which is super bittersweet. We've been booking it through these pretty quick. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.